0: Hey, this is Ed Robertson, and this is the Mountain and Prairie Podcast, where I introduce you to some of the innovative and creative individuals who are helping to shape the future of the American West. I meet most of these people through my work in ranch brokerage and land conservation, or through my hobbies and interests that revolve around spending time in the mountains. My guests include ranchers, writers, entrepreneurs, conservationists, athletes, artists, pretty much anyone who's doing important work and has an interesting story to tell. My guest today is Jason Schlarb. Jason is a champion ultra runner whose notable achievements include winning the Hard Rock 100 this past summer, winning the Run Rabbit Run 100 twice, and finishing as the top American in the 2014 UTMB. He's also an accomplished adventurer who, among other things, has skied the entire Hard Rock 100 course in the winter and explored remote regions of Patagonia and New Zealand, all while filming his exploits and creating engaging, authentic films through his company, Schlarb Productions. Most impressively, Jason is a veteran who spent 10 years as an officer in the United States Air Force, which included a five-month deployment to Iraq and his earning the rank of major. A competitive soccer player for most of his youth, Jason made the switch to running rather late in the game when he joined the cross-country team as a high school senior. But his natural talent for endurance, combined with a relentless competitive streak, allowed him to walk onto a Division I cross-country team, where he excelled throughout his college career. After years of focusing exclusively on road races ranging from 10K to marathon, he made the switch to trail running and has never looked back. Jason, his wife Maggie, and his son Felix have shaped their lives around the pursuit of a purpose-driven, rewarding, and adventurous life, and they currently reside on the southern end of Colorado's San Juan Mountains, just outside Durango. Jason is a fascinating guy with an infectious positive attitude, which made for a very fun and in-depth conversation. We covered a broad range of topics, including his athletic background, his journey to ultra running, and some of his adventures around the world. We discussed his time in the military and how those 10 years of service affected his outlook and approach to sport and life. We also chat about his thoughts on competition, mental toughness, the benefits of positive thinking, and a ton of other subjects. Whether you're an athlete or not, there's a huge amount of wisdom to be gleaned from Jason's experiences and perspective. I thought this was a great conversation, and I really appreciated Jason taking the time to chat. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. I say you know, when you meet somebody for the first time, and they ask you that question that people love to ask, what do you do? How do you answer that?
1: I say that I'm, I'm a professional athlete. Um, you know, that, that's, that's the, the, the lion's share of what I do from day to day and, 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 uh, you know, where I spend my energy, my mental focus, and then also, you know, paying, paying the bills. Yep. So I'm, I'm a professional athlete first. I also do some work for Ultra, um, managing the, uh, the, uh, the elite team, mm-hmm. kind of coordinating those guys and gals. And then also I have my, uh, video production company called Schlarbwolf where, we do some some film kind of stuff.
0: Nice. And I want to dig into all those because I think they're all super interesting. Um, but maybe we can just start with the running since that's probably the most obvious thing. Can Can you talk a little bit about kind of what you're specializing in now and, and the types of races you're doing now and just kind of your, your recent, I guess, recent running resume? And then I'd love to hear more about your background.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, let's do it.
0: Um, so – I guess the, the 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 most exciting thing, at least that I've seen in the last year, has been your your victory at Hard Rock. And for people who don't understand don't understand Hard Rock, could you just talk a little bit about that race and your training and just kind of the experience you had there?
1: Okay, um, Hard Rock One Hundred is is amongst the kind of small little niche of of trail running and ultra running even, it is the, the you know, the kind of granddaddy for high altitude, remote wilderness, um, steep kind of, uh, you know, ultra marathon trail mountain running. Yep, And that's exactly where I feel most inspired and, and excited. And the hard rock has been something, um, that is, it, it's an elusive, it, it's, Difficult to get into there. There's a lottery involved. There's only 140 some spots for the entire race. Um, it took me, I think on the fifth year I got into the race. Mm -hmm. So I applied, um, and applied and applied and applied and then finally got in this last year for 2016 in the lottery, which is held in December and, uh, yeah, that's the granddaddy of them and you know it has a reputation that's not just you know in the San Juan's or Colorado, even the u s you know worldwide mountain runners this is this is one of the the big you know kind of holy grails of hundred mile mountain running, and uh with that kind of reputation, there's been a number of you know um, uh international elite that have at least applied and, 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 a handful of them that have gotten in such as the, the one and only Killian Jornet, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, Seb, uh, from France, you know, uh, one, one of the icons of European mountain trail running, ultra yep. running, uh, has, has been here. Julian Choyer, another one from Europe. Um, so the, 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 list is fairly impressive, um, despite the difficulties of getting into this race. And it's such an awesome race and it's such an awesome place that I chose or we chose as a family two years ago, a um, little over two years ago, to move to Durango, which is about uh, 50 miles, 80 kilometers um, away from the start, which is in Silverton.
0: Yeah, that's it's almost like your, your backyard, which is hard to believe because those, those mountains are just so spectacular. And for people who don't fully understand ultra running, because the people that listen to this, it's everybody from – people that are involved in the land conservation world to, you know, people like you that are in the, that are athletes. And can you talk a little bit about the course and the vertical, uh, gain and loss and, and just how, how rugged it is? Cause I, I think it's hard for people to truly understand how rugged that course really is.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I'd love to, it's always easy to talk about hard rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, within the Rockies, I'll, I'll, I'll go macro on this within the Rockies. Um, the San Juan Mountains are one of the, they're fairly remote. There's no interstate, um, within hours of, of, of where I live and, and where Durango and Silverton is located. Um, there's, there's a handful of cities that the course runs through, little towns, let's call it. Silverton, um, is the start and the finish, but it goes through Ure close to Lake City. And then also Telluride, which has a bit of a reputation, you know, in the the mountain and uh, mountain loving community and skiing community. Mm -hmm. Um, And those mountains, I would describe them, um, um, you know, a a term that's thrown around every once in a while for the San Juans and the Uray and Telluride areas, the the Swiss Alps of America. Mm -hmm. And they're very steep um, and there's a, a little bit more moisture that falls here both, uh, summer and winter, spring and fall, than a lot of the rest of the Rockies all the way up into, um, you know, into Montana. So they get a little bit more precipitation. The trees are a little bit bigger. There's beautiful lakes, lots of rivers and streams. And again, going back to that remoteness, there's not as many people as going, you know, through the I-70 corridor through Denver, Fort Collins, um, you know, into Vail and, and Aspen and, uh, in that area, so it, it's a really special kind of place. They're not a straight up um, uh, line of mountains like, let's say, the Sangre de Cristos or the Bridges of Montana or the Sawatch or Wasatch. Mm-hmm. They are really kind of a, like almost like the Dolomites of Italy. They're they're like there's a lot of valleys and different um, uh, directions of, of ridges, and so it's it's just a really special, rugged, steep kind of place, and. The, the stats of the race reflect that. It's 100 miles with 33,000 feet of climbing. Obviously, it's a loop. Uh, there's you know 33,000 feet of descent as well. The course starts at 9,000 feet, and the average elevation is 11,200 feet. Um, the lowest point it goes down into Ure, just under 8,000. Um, and the highest point is the 14,000-foot peak. Um, called uh, Handies, and uh, that's that's as high as it gets in the contiguous <laughs> U.S. Yeah. So, pretty pretty impressive um, statistics and background, and that's that's what makes that special the the race so special.
0: So, for people who are in the endurance world, I think they all know the hard rock and they all understand the appeal. As weird as it is to want to go out there and, and push yourself that hard. Um, but for folks that aren't in the ultra world, I think they, they'd love to kind of understand your mindset and your background and how you came to be the type of person who not only can do that, but you can do it and win it. <laughs> and so where did you grow up and and what, you know, what were your, your early athletic achievements like?
1: Um, you know, going way back, uh, I w- was born into a military family. My mom and dad were both enlisted in the air force and, uh, we started or they started, uh, their, their kind of young lives, uh, traveling around, Um, you know, Italy, Phoenix, um, Texas, Colorado, and, uh, it, it wasn't too long, uh, after I was born that they got out, but, um, they kind of continued that kind of lifestyle. They both are really, um, really big into traveling and kind of adventure. And so they, they continue even after I moved out to move all over the place. Mm -hmm. I would call Colorado home though. Um, I spent a good chunk of my kind of school, grade school kind of age in Colorado, and that made an impact on me um, that uh, motivated my my selection and going to uh, Montana for for undergraduate. But backing up uh, to motivations as far as competition and athleticism, um, I kind of uh, had a father that was very competitive. And uh, he was my soccer coach. I grew up as a soccer player. Mm -hmm. And uh, those kind of values or those kind of traits of being really kind of pushing myself and and wanting to win, both good and bad, um, (laughs) kind of uh, set root back then. And that has made an impact on me um, uh, to this day. But uh, like I said, did soccer, went to private schools to play on state champions. uh, Where were you in Colorado? i was in i was uh in aurora okay, in the yeah. suburbs um not a beautiful place, but you were close enough that you could do weekend trips oh, um, yeah. into the mountains and uh, yeah, I went to Regis high school, which was and it still continues to be you know one of those schools that uh um gets all the rich kids and kind of <laughs> win state championships and and that's what i was uh and my parents were were wanting uh, for me and kind of burned out on, on soccer uh-huh. and, um, uh, walked on to a cross country team right at the end of high school. And, uh, cause my friends were, uh, some of my friends had gone to that, um, that path as well and, yeah. uh, didn't love running did not love yeah. fun at all.
0: <laughs> That's quite a transition, you know. You you generally don't see those much overlap between, you know, a team sport like soccer and it, it seems like they're almost two separate ends of the two far ends of the spectrum, you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it was the camaraderie and 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 fun after and before and traveling um, and then then the other factor was that I was really good at it. Did how but long did far- it take you
0: to know you were you were gifted?
1: Uh in in, in soccer. I, I was a midfielder, halfback. Uh I was the guy that could run around the whole game at, sure. at a fast pace and, and I would always uh excel at any kind of running um aspect or endurance aspect and, and um that was always a known for me.
0: Got it. And so this is a little bit a little bit off subject, but thinking about your your running career now. And, you know, a lot of what you do is solo. I mean, a lot of your training, I would imagine, is completely by yourself. A lot of your races, you're completely by yourself. So how do you balance that competitive drive you have to beat other people with the competitive drive to just push yourself? Because, again, it seems like two different ends of the spectrum, wanting to beat other people and then wanting to to push yourself as hard as you can. How do you balance those two?
1: Um. It's it's a really difficult balance, Um, you know. In the in the elite, uh, you know, endurance athletes, uh, you know, one of the biggest uh, enemies to oneself is 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 doing too much, Mm -hmm. and and uh, figuring that out. I was lucky enough to go on from that, uh, you know, year in high school of running cross country to walking onto a division one team uh, in, in, Montana state university and having coaching, um, and, and, and being able to both through failure and success, see how pushing oneself can, can be good and bad Mm -hmm. and balance that and, and understanding the, you know, recovery, um, uh, rest cycle and, 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 and just kind of the physiological kind of background, Behind endurance athletics, and and that background enables me to 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 have a lot of the success that I have in the ultra trail kind of completely by yourself out in the mountains or on the trails, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, and kind
0: a of sport. So you went to Montana State. You said you walked on. Was did you walk on freshman year?
1: Yeah, you know I walked on. Um, I, I hope my coach doesn't hear this, but. Uh, <laughs> He wasn't very cool. Um, he told me to go away. He's like, you That's know where the what?
0: competitive drive comes in.
1: Absolutely. You know, the, the guy, you know, I didn't have a long, I didn't have much experience, um, you know, in high school at all with running, you know, almost nothing. And then went to, to, to like, I, I did a visit. I drove through and I said, Hey, here I am. I want to run. And he basically said, don't come out. Um, you know, we've got a team that's, you know, a a, a really competitive, you know, D one program and it, this, this probably just, it wouldn't work out for you. And me and another buddy that was in a similar situation said, you know, no, and, uh, came out and he was actually kind of upset that I was there and he almost told me to go home and said, okay, fine, you can work out. And, and it was basically a day to day, uh, kind of like, a, prove yourself kind of thing. And, you know, I stayed with the team on a tempo run. So it was like, okay, you can make it through the rest of this week. And then, you know, um, and then after that he said, okay, you can, you can stick around and do the time trial. And then lo and behold, you know, I made the, the travel team my freshman year. So that, (laughs) that that was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't intentional by the coach, um, or at least not fully, but uh, yeah, that 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 was a drive and, and uh, a factor, and then there's obviously some talent there too. But
0: was he yeah. the coach all four years?
1: Yeah, all five years. I, I did uh, five years, and he he still is the coach.
0: <laughs> do you do you keep in touch with
1: him at all? A little bit, yeah. And he's a good friend. He's, he really cares about uh, his athletes, but he's um, um, he's just a unique guy it's just a really unique guy that's that's that's, that you can love him and hate him at the same time kind of uh, coach
0: i'm reading a book right now about uh nike um it's it's phil knight the guy who started nike's memoir and he talks about his cross-country experience with the um oregon university of oregon coach and he sounded Uh fairly similar as far as just a kind of gruff you know prove yourself every day kind of thing so maybe there's I think there's something to that. I think if if you got the right personality, it it instills a competitive, it makes you tougher than you would have been otherwise. It probably make me run away.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's partly just, uh, him trying to be tough, but also partly the guy has a really super soft heart Mm -hmm. and he doesn't. Want to have to tell people to go away, or or have them have to witness and be their coach when when it doesn't work out, and so he kind of like filters himself. But anyways, getting off on a tangent, but that definitely was the case, and that that, that was an impact on me, um, you know, as an athlete, and and uh, you know, made me excel. So
0: so five years at Montana State, and then what was the next step?
1: The next step was um, commissioning into the Air Force. I, I went through an ROTC program at Montana State um and um uh right away went to to Boston and uh found out about two different things that uh the the Air Force the military has uh sports teams um for the you know within different commands within the Air Force and then mm-hmm. all Air Force and then one step further uh all military teams and so I competed in track and uh, cross country um, nothing nothing longer than um i think maybe 12k mm-hmm. um but that that's what i did and then also got into baa which is boston athletic association they have a club and i ran with them as well uh with another uh, roommate of mine that was a collegiate runner so that was the next step it was kind of like a 65% focus um i was working a lot and uh, also being a single dude and with other interests. And yeah. yeah, I kind of got into the road thing there. Could have done a lot better though.
0: Were you, um, intending to have a career in the military or was that, or were you thinking you would do it for a few years and then move on to something else? Or what, what was the thinking there with, uh, with the air force?
1: Well, I, I, I entered the air force cause I had a roommate in college that was in it. And he told me, Hey, you just go sign up. And, uh, you know, you get decent grades and you can be a, a, a pilot. Mm-hmm. And as a little dude, um, also influenced with my parents and, uh, grandparents, uh, fighter, jet, a jet fighter pilot was, was, uh, I think the correct term for what, what I wanted to be as a kid. So all of a sudden that kind of got rekindled, went through the program, checked the boxes, but my hearing, um, uh, disqualified me. And so oh, all of a really? sudden I became. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like my junior year or something like that, um, uh, I basically got told, uh, it's not going to happen because of the hearing. And, uh, yeah. So from there I, I went and I was like, okay, I'm going to do a four year and out kind of thing. And I'm going to be a businessman for the air force, um, with, with, you know, that's the most, um, um, the easiest transition from military to, to, uh, the, the civilian life for, for kind of a resume kind of stuff. But, Anyways, I stayed much longer, Did ended up being 10 years, um, Mm -hmm. went, uh, from Boston to Colorado Springs, worked a bit in Los Angeles, um, and, and worked on a whole bunch of different weapons systems, space, uh, concept development, lots of neat stuff. Did a deployment, um, to Iraq for five months. A lot of, a lot of amazing experiences. Sure. Um, i call them good or bad, but, uh amazing experiences and um um uh, decided after an r o t c assignment at University of Colorado in Boulder that it was time um to focus on the family and then also be able to choose where I want to live. I had to do that deployment three months after after my son was born, which oh, is really wow.
0: tough holy I can't imagine and, that man
1: yeah yeah that was that was really tough um a lot of a lot of military guys do way more tough things, but, uh, that, that, that I, I did my service proud of it. And yeah, um, you should
0: be proud of it. That's, I mean, that's just, that's awesome. I, I've got my, uh, both of my grandfather's world war two dog tags ab- up above my desk. And I look at them I mean, I think that's about the most noble thing anybody can do. So anyway, in the spirit of veterans day, thanks for your, your service. Um, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, So then, you know, when you got out, so you got out of the military after 10 years and at that point, were you completely focused on making a go of it as a pro athlete? No,
1: not at all. Um, I had dabbled in, in, uh, ultra, I I had done a race, um, or two. Um,
0: and up to um, this point, you've been doing 10 Ks, half marathons, marathons all on the road. Is that, is that correct?
1: yes that that is correct, okay, and you know i I was like a you know high fourteens five k guy you know 109, 110 half and two twenty mid for for marathons, so i mean you know I could get some free shoes and, and be in a club or whatever but uh unfortunately um i I was young and a little bit immature, I loved trail running, I loved mountain running, my easy runs, my long runs every chance I got, I, I was off the road and in the mountains, but mm-hmm. being a bit young and, uh, uh, I just not having my priorities where I think they should have been for running. I felt that the ultra community, the trail running community was just a whole bunch of old guys that <laughs> they were kind of weirdos freaks. <laughs> and, uh, they, they weren't really runners mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that, it, that it was kind of just a, just, just, just a whole bunch of people out there having fun and being crazy. Mm -hmm. I wanted, I loved that craziness. I loved that, but I felt that the level of competition wasn't there. And I wanted to, you know, selfishly, I wanted to be fast and be the best and and compete against the best and see how, you know, see if I can get Olympic trials qualifier, that, you know, that, that kind of thing. Sure. And uh, then, you know, luckily, um, and I'm not exactly proud of this, but, you know, North Face popped up you know, 10,000 mm-hmm. bucks, um, for first and, and, you know, more for second, and third and stuff. But, uh, that, uh, came onto the radar and I was like, okay, I'm in. Um, and I, I have not run a road race since. And what year was that? Um, I think that was 2011.
0: Got it. And so at that point, you knew you were in and you were going to, you were going to make a go of it. And so that was a 50 miler, and then when was your first 100 miler?
1: Um, my first 100 miler, I think, was in 13. So a few years later, I kind of took it easy. Because, I mean, honestly, when I did that 50 miler, I was just like, this would be really fun. This would be cool. It is competitive. But I wasn't like, hey, I'm going to take this by storm and be the best. And how no. did you
0: do? Did you win that 50 miler?
1: No, not at all. Okay. Dave Mackey, uh, Dakota Jones. Um, I think maybe, I don't know if it was the year of Mike Wolf and, and, uh, those guys, but anyways, you know, it, it is, and was, you know, the race that, uh, it is, if you can um, remember, I, I,
0: if you can remember, what was the biggest surprise that, that you had during that race, you know, compared to all the road running you've been doing, you got out there and say so you get a mile 35, what was, was there anything that sticks out in your mind that was surprising about the whole experience?
1: Well, it was the, the, the surprising thing, a good thing about it was that, uh, uh, one of the good things about it was, was that I was good at it, that I, I, I was, I was in it to just kind of maybe be top 10. I remember Mike Wardian was there, you know, you know, be able to compete with some of those guys that I mentioned and just not die, you know, like, I mean, it was a complete completion kind of thing. Um, I hadn't raced longer than a marathon mm-hmm. and, uh, I also was surprised by how much fun it was, you know, I I was comfortable for that first half, you know, I was pushing a bit, but it was comfortable and and that, you know, it wasn't, uh, it was, it was about traveling through the the mountains and the trails and the wilderness. And that, that was, I was absolutely blown away about how awesome it was. And, you know, like, like I said, I didn't, I haven't gone back to the road. Not that I, you know, I wouldn't do a 10 K or something like that, but you know, that that's where I That's, that's what I love now.
0: So are there any, when you look back at your military career, are there any, I guess, uh, habits or disciplines that you got from being in the military that you think carry over into your athletic career? Um, As as far as being, being disciplined or being methodical, do you, do you credit much of that military mindset with any of your success uh, training?
1: I think all of my attributes for the most part were there before I got into the military. But Mm -hmm. I think a little bit more discipline and organization um, kind of, you know, was, was developed. And I I think one of the biggest things that I enjoyed and got out of the military was, was the camaraderie and uh, working with other people together. And not that that's applicable at all to my career now, but those are the kind of values and, and things that kind of, set in and then you know appreciation for for our 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 freedom in our country um but uh i i think the ability to endure some tough situations came about from being in iraq for 5 months in a place that you know was 120 during the day 130 and then you know lows in, that were you know as hot as 90 something and training there surviving there and and working you know, seventy-hour weeks, you know, twelve-hour days, that that kind of thing every day. Um, that definitely, uh, that definitely helped build some like, uh, you know, excuse my languages, but tough as shit kind of. Oh yeah, kind of, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, it's pers- you know,
0: this perspective, and, and you know, that's one of the reasons that I I like endurance sports is because I think well, if I can do this, everything else seems relatively easy, and going to iraq is a it makes running 100 miles seem easy <laughs> seem easy you know it's like a whole it's 10 levels up from anything anybody could do here in the united states i mean that's just i can't even i can't even pretend to get my head around being over there especially being a new father um that's just that's hard for me to understand but it's awesome um
1: and the people that, that what kind of sacrifices they are making, and, and the challenges that they go through while they're in Iraq, and, and seeing people die, um, you know, and and, you know, just being, you know, it just it, it's a it's insult to injury a little bit. You're you're in a really horrible, difficult place to be. You know, both Afghanistan and Iraq. You know, in our, our last conflicts. Just yeah, that that uh, builds some. You know, that that's a tough place. But it also builds some amazing, um, amazing uh, people, you know, through those experiences.
0: Definitely. Um, everybody, I've I've got a lot of pretty close friends who have spent time in Iraq and Afghanistan, and all of them say similar things, um, that it's the hardest thing they ever had to do. But also, you know, when it's when all the, the chips are down, it's one of the best things as far as just, you know, making you have a perspective on things and toughen you up and again, uh, thank you for, for doing that for our country. Um, one, the, the way I initially came across you was, um, I was training for the run rabbit run 100 and I was watching some interviews and I saw your interview with I run far after you had won the run rabbit run. And I I remember you were, you were just sitting there and you were talking about, um, kind of the mental aspects of running a hundred. And one of your techniques that you would do is to, Uh, force yourself to smile. And you would, you said you would literally talk to yourself out there on the trail, all positive self-talk. And I remember, I, I thought that was the coolest thing because personally, when I, when I was, you know, training for these deals, my old technique used to be almost to, to get mad at myself or, or just think I need to be tougher, you know, hurry up, you're, you're going too slow. And I adopted your method soon before that race and did it through the race and it's not like I set any records or anything, but I, I just had a great time and it was a positive experience. And my wife even commented that I was smiling every time I came into the aid stations. And, and so I, I love that. And so I'd love to hear more about that. And I'd love for you to tell people who, that are listening to this about that technique. And then I'd also like to know, have you always been that way or was there a, a change that, that made you go that way? Yeah, this is.
1: I I would. I would say this is probably the one of the biggest secrets to um, really long endurance athletics. Um, But you know, it's applicable to everything. You know, from from getting through a a tough meeting to um, a workout to 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 relationship. You know, this. It's. It's a real. You know, it's something that people can kind of understand, or it makes sense. It checks out. But when you really you know, use it, 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 uh, it's, it's super powerful. It is really a super powerful. And, and, you know, some of those techniques of actually moving the the facial structure, you know, your muscles into a smile. Um, you know, I don't know the science behind it, but you know, it releases, uh, some, some stimulants into your, uh, your body and your brain that you can't be, you know, it it just helps your your clarity of, of of purpose and and your 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 ability to do what you're doing and then the same thing with that laughing and then the you know the the third kind of leg of that is is that talk you mm-hmm. know getting the nasty the negative out and and putting in the positive, um and and putting in the right kind of positive, um and that's, that those are tools you know run rabbit run was really the kind of breakout for me. As far as both a performance, and then also being able to use these tools, and then my ability to excel, um, and and in my opinion, you know, do better than I think my talent or background might dictate, is because of this. And you know, I've got my mantras. I I, I say these things like, you know, for me, the stress of other people around me or expectations or my goals can kind of ruin and, and rule a race mm-hmm. um and put doubt and and negative into um you know both when you're actually accomplishing it you know i'm stressed that oh i gotta i've gotta do this i've gotta do this you know i've gotta be here um or you know if you're falling behind or something um uh, you know or, or you're competing with somebody else and you start to talk or you start to doubt you know what you can do but instead to say, "I don't care about anybody else in this race but me I'm focusing exactly on me. I'm having a good time. Um, all of these kind of like aspects can really just change your your outlook and, and change how you feel in a race, and then therefore your your ability to go faster or continue at a fast pace is is affected and it was uh, it is amazing, amazing tool.
0: When you were a sixteen year old Soccer player, ultra competitive soccer player. Did you have that mindset or was there more, uh, kind of classic testosterone? Um, so, so when did you change?
1: I changed at, uh, Run Rabbit Run, you know, the year that I won. Oh, really? That, that was the first time that I had used that. That was the first time that I had believed in that. And, you know, that was the first time I did the laughing or the smiling thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I used to just grunt through. I used to be like, I want to win. I want, you know, I'm gonna get through this. Yeah, grit you know, your I, teeth. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then you know, just you know, just just you know, have epic stress, mm-hmm. you know, in the race, and and just be dwelling on that, <clears throat> you know, and and uh, boy, it was it was a revelation and a, and, a, and a magic thing to get away from. You know, like I can back up just one year from from that year that I set the course record and had the, you know, the best race still to my life, even compared to that hard rock, uh, uh, finish this, this year, Mm -hmm. that race was extra magic. You know, that was, that was, uh, yeah. Anyways, the year before I was in, in similar shape, you know, not quite as good, but I went into that as my first 100 and I didn't have these tools and, you know, 30 miles in, I was walking in, in second place mm-hmm. and just absolutely down and out and said, this is impossible. This is terrible. This is, why would anybody run this 100 mile thing? And I was such a blow up that I had uh, not taken my headlamp because I didn't see this coming and it was dark <laughs> and I had to run with Dylan Bowman, who's one of the best uh, 100 milers in the world. Um, you know, th- this is kind of early when, when we were both getting our start at these races and I had to run with him and I asked him like, is it always like this? Cause he'd done a few hundreds before, you know, are you feeling this way? And and he's like, no, you know, it's tough. Yeah, this happens. But, uh, and I, you know, I ran with him, you know, I had to run with him cause I couldn't see. And I had, you know, all intentions of dropping it at, at the very next aid station. And, uh, you know, I said, are you going to drop, you know, this is just horrible. And he's like, <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't believe that he said, no, you know, (laughs) even though we all both didn't get in this race, I, I'm, I felt, I still feel sorry for him having to deal with me and his positive, just keep on going, you know, all of a sudden turn that around, that absolute abyss of, of self pity. And, you know, I got, I passed him and got my headlamp, got into, you know, right behind first place and, uh, proceeded to make a wrong turn for seven miles, um, that crushed me i got
0: a ride back <laughs> oh man i cannot imagine that
1: yeah and I, I got back on the course and and uh just i just mentally got crushed you know i was back into like 10th place or something like that well that race I
0: just, it's it- 107 miles anyway they say 102 103 i mean i've i've read that it it could be as long as 107 so you went a good 114 that day <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but my, my, my point is that I, I just didn't have those tools and I ended up quitting and feeling sorry for myself, just mm-hmm. like I did earlier in the race. Oh yeah. You know, the potential is there, the fitness is there, but if you don't have that sound mind and positive aspect and, 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 you know, to some degree, you're going to fail. And that's, that's the, the beauty or the kind of mystique of the hundred.
0: I agree completely. And I, that, that smiling thing, like you said, at the beginning, I, I've, I apply it to other parts of my life as well. Um, because really in the end, the only thing in your control is your attitude. And I've, I've found it to be a, a very positive thing. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, you you're, I've seen on some of your social media posting and maybe on your blog that your wife does some work in holistic body work and holistic healing. And I was wondering if, if she's had any influence on your your mental outlook as well, because it seems like some of the these techniques you use very well could be from from her and some of her work. It, has she helped you with that at all?
1: She has. She has. We've kind of almost grown together with this. Um, you know, she has fed me um a lot of these tactics and and uh methods, along with another friend of mine, um Tony Pritchard. Mm-hmm. Um, and she works with a lot of uh, she she's kind of like a life coach. Um and she also does, you know, just embedment kind of, you know, self help. I, I hate I hate to use that term, but that's that's kind of what she's into. Um she does some stuff called access consciousness and you know, she has been a huge asset in, in a lot of those, you know, those mind um uh energy, positive attitude, um, you know, getting the negative out bringing in the positive and, uh, you know, unleashing potential and, and, uh, you know, making impossibilities possible. So she's, she's amazing. She's cool. She was a, I'm lucky to have her as a partner to, to be able to use those skills and tools. And, um, man, you know, it, it's, it's, it's priceless.
0: And I know you do some coaching as well. And so is that something that you coach? I mean, obviously you, you put together the actual training plans, but, um, have you figured out a, a pretty effective way or you and your wife together figured out a pretty effective way to, to coach people in this kind of positive thinking?
1: Absolutely. You know, uh, that, that is a big part of that, you know, pre-race, um, you know, talking about doing some mantras, uh, you know, talk about, you know, where the weaknesses and strengths are and, you know, knowing what you're going to say and do and react. Um, you know, that, that's, that's really neat. It's really fun. And it's, it's, Uh, you know, I, I, I would put the, um, the correlation or the analogy back to being, you know, in Iraq, um, to running a hundred miler, you are absolutely living. And and I think that that's in our time and era when we don't have it that tough at all, Mm -hmm. being in a place where you are pushing yourself, where you are doing something incredible, um, where you are really living. Um, that, that is, that is just priceless. And, you know, you have to have tools and they're, they're, they're kind of all already in there because of just, just, just because of our amazing ability as a human to do what we've done, um, and, and continue to do it's in there is just understanding and unleashing it and unlocking it and putting it in the right direction and kind of living, getting out of this comfort zone that we're so used to and really doing amazing things. And, and so those tools are, are, are really important because, because of the kind of posh life I think we live in. So we're not as, not as tough as we used to be, I think. And so I think that that's one of the big draws and appeals to all these crazy, you know, tough mutters or ultra endurance athlete, you know, Ironman, uh, you know, climbing peaks, you know, when we don't have to at all. Mm-hmm. Hey, that, that's because it's in us and, and to really live and, and push our physical and mental capacities. Um, again, a little bit of a tangent, but that that's kind of a little bit of the story of me and, and what I like and, and what I kind of why I gravitate to this kind of stuff. Because, you know, even back in college, I didn't run the 10K or 5K because it was too long, you know, <laughs> and, but I've learned and discovered some neat stuff. About myself and about my body that that puts me into a category that I never ever ever would have imagined even eight years ago
0: That's that's so awesome. And I don't think it's a tangent at all I mean, that's the exact reason I I have this podcast and want to have these conversations because There's so many people doing all this cool cool stuff throughout the west and they've all got such a unique story And I just I just love hearing it and luckily other people do too. So um speaking of these kind of crazy adventures um, I'd love to hear a little bit, or I'm sure the listeners would also love to hear about these trips that you do kind of annual trips. I know you've, and you've made films about all of them. You've gone to New Zealand, you've gone to Patagonia. Most recently you skied the hard rock course. And by the way, that video is, is awesome. I loved it. And I'll have links to everything, uh, in, on the webpage, including your run rabbit run interview and the links to all your, your videos, um, or your films, so could you just talk a little bit about kind of what drives you to go on these annual adventure trips?
1: Yeah, you bet. Uh you know, I, I would say that it was almost ex- totally inspired by me wanting to explore the world with my closest and best friends and to be able to make it a feasible, uh, you know, journey each year. And and by making this film, it kind of enabled us to do that. But also secondly, it enabled us to be able to relive that. Um, um, I think that that is really, really special, um, to kind of capture that. So I can show, you know, my five-year-old Felix, uh, you know, come back from these trips, where were you, you know, okay, here's a picture that doesn't quite tell it like a, a good film does. And, uh, you know, when I'm old and, and, uh, slowing down, you know, it's cool to look back and and see this. Um, but the experience itself is pretty special. And and the the thing that I like that, that is unique, I think about, uh, you know, the brand is Schlar Wolf and the brand name comes from my last name and my buddy's last name. Um, the, the unique thing is, is going with other people to do something really, really cool because, um, this isn't driven by a sponsor. This mm-hmm. isn't North Face saying we want to send this story to our 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 you know our consumers or our potential market. This is truly you know a collaboration of a handful of sponsors that I say, "Hey, we're going to go do something really amazing and cool." And they jump on, and they don't dictate the uh you know the shoe shot angles or anything like sure. that. It's it's about going out <clears throat> and exploring somewhere amazing. We're doing something as, as amazing as we can possibly do and going and doing it with really, really good friends, not just um, you know, a fellow athlete that happens to be able to do it. Um so that that's that's the thing that I love about it. And uh continue to to kind of try to make this happen and yeah, sending FKTs, you know, spending time in the South Island of New Zealand. Um it's it's uh it's it's been fantastic and uh the kind of kind of cool thing too about it um you know flipping flipping the coin is that it's so much more memorable for a consumer or for somebody watching than just you know a a time and space where i go and i i podium i do well at a race mm-hmm. you know the next year who who was you know second or third at western or hard rock you know people forget but like A story like this really tells more about what the what the experience is, what the place is like, and also you know can help a brand say, "Hey, we're into this kind of storytelling. We're into this kind of lifestyle," and then therefore it becomes a kind of a a potentially um, sustainable or. Slightly lucrative uh, operation. Uh, I'm not. I'm not paying the bills by uh, Schlarb Wolf yet, at least. But uh, that's that's kind of the whole spectrum of of what we are doing with it.
0: Yeah, well, I think the videos are are they're really authentic. And the, what you're talking about about kind of go, getting an opportunity to go out with good friends and explore these places, it really comes through. And I think in the era of all these kind of overproduced action type adventure films that is, they're more like a, you know, some kind of Hollywood movie than, than a real adventure. I think yours are, it's the perfect mix of true hardcore adventure with the authentic side of it, uh, that comes through. So how do you do the editing on that? Or do you have some partners that do that? Cause it's, it's really good.
1: Um, no, I'm not the, I'm not the guy that's good with, the the camera nor the editing yeah um i we do i do i am involved um and wolf has been involved too with the storyboarding and uh you know putting that together and collaborating with the the film guy that we we work with you know we worked with joel wolpert for two years and then noah this year um another guy named bobby yarig who, who lives in montana that does a lot of stuff for montana um films but uh yeah it, it's a it's a cool process and it's a unique process in that we're not it's not an it's not an ultra film it's not a north face film mm-hmm. so it's a it's kind of neat and it's a little bit more grassroots yeah uh, you know it, 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 and so it it it's fun it's cool and and we do our best and we're gonna try to continue to do our best of, of telling really interesting stories we want to go down to to um keshwa speaking. Part of the world, in you know, uh, Peru or Colombia, and uh, go and visit a a mountain village, and go with somebody that can speak the language and translate, and kind of find out about these people and what they're all about, and what um, what development has. Done to their way of life and what they see as their future, and talk about their past. So, kind of, uh, I'm I'm really excited about that. But uh, that that's kind of the next chapter, and and uh, trying to make that project work.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll look forward to that. Um, One more question, kind of along the line of adventures, is I do a lot of work in land conservation, and I think a lot of people listening to this are involved or have a interest in conservation in one way or the other. And one of the interesting things I've I've found from talking to people is everybody seems to have a different definition of what conservation means and you obviously have spent a ton of time in wild places and have a deep respect for the land and for wilderness and so I was wondering if you had to define the word conservation how would you do that
1: yeah that's um
0: it's tough (laughs) it's my job and I I don't know how to do it
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's just so many different aspects that, that, uh, you know, we could focus on, but, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, and this is selfish and a little bit, maybe narrow, but, uh, you know, keeping wild places wild, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the value of that and, you know, in my travels, um, you know, seeing what happens when it, when, when, when those kind of places aren't set aside, um, you know, even even here in, in the U.S., you know, you, you you go east, you know, and and you see that there there aren't places to go out there and and just kind of go out. You know, even in Texas, when I when I visited down there, there's not a lot of, you know, what we have in Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, um, you know, the D- Dakotas, etc of those kind of BLM national forest, uh, those kind of places where you can just go out and not have to worry about, uh, you know, crossing private land all the time and, and be able to, to, to do, a you know, self human propelled kind of adventure is, it's not available. And, uh, yeah, that, and preserving that, you know, that that's tough. And, you know, the, the other analogy too, in conservation, you know, one of my favorite places in the world to run is, is in the Alps and, and the Dolomites. And uh I love the infrastructure that they have out there. Mm-hmm. But after you know, I, I've spent two years, uh two summers in the last three, where I've spent uh three months uh, three years ago, uh a month last year, and then two months this year in those those places in the Alps in the Dolomites of of Italy. Um and I love being able to have all the access, but after a while, I really miss the 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 the, the wild west, the mm-hmm. the 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 wilderness. Um, in every valley, there are there are there are little towns. Um, in every almost every valley, even in the Alps and the Dolomites, there's ski trams and and lodges and and uh, and cable cars, and you can't get to a place very easily, at least where you can just look out and just see wild, you yeah. know, and. You know, when I get some of my, you know, European Solomon Hoka friends or whatever that come over for the rut or, or different races and they just get out and maybe it's not as steep. Maybe it isn't as uh, dramatic or there's not huge glaciers, but they just smile at the, the 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 fact that they can look out and not see development and commercialization. And, uh, I think it's a balance because I, I think infrastructure from being able to go out and experience it is important, but also not overdoing it and, and making it so that there aren't those wild places. So it's, that's tough. That's tough to do. And, you know, I don't know if I define what I think conservation is, but I think I've, you know, in my little niche of, of what I love to do as far as my profession, um, managing that balance um, of access but uh cons, you know make preserving um, wild places I, I think that's uh that's that's really important to me and in, in, in the future
0: yeah i agree with all that i think in the end balance is the is the answer. And it's not the easy answer. You know, the easy answer would just be go hardcore on one end of the spectrum or the other. But it, the, the reality is, it's complicated and the answer is somewhere in the there in the middle. So um, yeah. well, I want to be respectful of your time, but, but I've got a few quick questions that I've been asking everybody that I've interviewed and I've gotten some pretty interesting and diverse answers. So I'd love to hear yours. Um, if, do you have any favorite books related to the West or really any subject, any books that, that stand out in your mind as being a favorite that you'd recommend to, to friends?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. You, 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 what's the, um, you know, the, the name has just slipped my mind, but it's the book about uh, blowing up the dam. Um, what's it? Something gang.
0: That, oh, yeah. About, the uh, uh, Monkey wrench Gang.
1: Monkey wrench Gang. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty crazy, uh, and, and neat, uh, book. I, I, I quite enjoyed that. And a lot, a lot of the, the things that, uh, you get out of that one. Yeah. I think um, that's
0: a, that is a good one. That guy's an interesting guy. Uh, Edward Abbey, he's uh he's a wild man or was a wild man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a good one. I, I also, I mean, um, I, I think everybody, you know, knows uh you know the story about uh you know um I'm sorry I'm really bad with names but uh I know you'll know this one too but uh you know uh the story about the guy that goes out into Alaska oh yeah uh, into the wild into the wild yeah I I think that that is um you know it's it's a little bit over the top in some ways but um I think it's it's good talking about you know wanting to get out there and, and and uh escape and 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 you know what um what uh modern society has kind of imbalanced you know has done to individuals and and how it drives them into you know in, in you know into to to kind of doing and getting escaping and stuff and you know I think that that's uh that, that was a, that was a good book for me at least.
0: Oh yeah. That's a great, everything Krakauer writes is, is really interesting and it's, they're all the kind of books that I catch myself thinking about them months or years later. That, that's a great one. Um, do you have any favorite documentaries or films other than your own?
1: Um, uh, documentaries or films about just in just Conservation any, anything
0: that, that sticks out in your mind. Like for me, I always think about that one called uh, 180 South. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, it was made by, I think Patagonia paid for it. But these guys follow Yvonne Chouinard's, uh footsteps as he, on a road trip, kind of surfing and climbing road trip from California all the way down to Tierra del Fuego. And uh, just, I've always thought that was just kind of a cool adventure uh documentary. I don't know if you have any that stick out. If not, no big deal. It's probably good um, if you're not watching watching TV all day.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I I don't have TV at home, but I we we do look at uh some Netflix stuff. But uh, I try to I try to watch, you know, the films of that uh are, you know, um you know from from a lot of the guys that I work with and and you know Conrad Anchor mm-hmm. and uh Jimmy Chin, you know uh, what's it called? Per- Maru or. Oh yeah. Um,
0: that was awesome.
1: Yeah, that, that was amazing. And, you know, um, you, it is going back, you know, touching the void or into thin air, th- those books, I, I, you know, some of them had made into movies, some it kind of didn't do a good job, but, uh, th- those are, those are neat for me because just the human spirit and, and, and getting pushed and, and what we can do and, and you know, that kind of really living kind of theme that those, those, uh, those both fit into that category. Yeah, those for are.
0: I forgot about oh. touching the void that, you know, I was in South America years and years ago and I met the guy and I can't remember his name, but the guy who cut the rope in that book. Remember? Wow. Yeah. He was, uh, and he's really, you know, he, he was a really cool guy and I kind of felt bad because I think everybody knows him just as I described him as the guy who cut the rope, but you know who knows what anybody would have done in that situation um
1: absolutely I the last one i would say uh you know that i i don't want to come across as some rebel or that <laughs> you need to just go run off into the wilderness or but i mean it it really a lot of the things that pop into my mind and and part of the reason i live the life that i do now you know after doing 10 years as an officer make you know making major having an mba to now you know, being kind of a dirt bag and just, you know, just paying the bills. It's kind of a product of being from the suburbs. And I just, just, you know, it just wasn't right for me and it didn't mm-hmm. feel good and I just, couldn't do that cubicle thing and and you know the the book the kind of i think of you know um you know fight club oh yeah or in in you know the the financial institution and how the just the system and the, those guys kind of just really living and beating their beating the you know the hell out of each other and and uh living in that kind of house that uh was just decrepit and crazy but they were really living and and being wild and ridiculous and i uh, you know I, I don't i don't support anarchy or, or complete, you know, a craziness like that, but it's no, it's no mistake that that is really satisfying for me to watch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just way too extreme. A lot of those examples that I just gave of some of those books and stuff, but, uh, involving that back into it. And I'm, I'm a really mm-hmm. intense person and I'm also a person that really appreciates wilderness. And i just, I, I think I'm a product of, of, you know, coming from, you know, Cherry Creek school districts in Aurora of Colorado suburbs. And I just, just, just had to leave.
0: Well, it's awesome that you had the self-awareness to, to know that. Cause I think a lot of people have that desire, but they think, well, that isn't what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to, you know, buy a yeah. house and sit in the cubicle and make however much money. And, but they always know deep down that they should be doing more. And, um, I mean, I, I've got an MBA as well. And when I was in business school, I saw so many people that just were following this path and thinking they needed to be, you know, the cubicle jockey and do this and that. And, you know, I hope they're I hope they're all happy. But I, I'm I'm with you that I think there's a deep desire down in, in people to to go out and push yourself and, and have adventures. Um, so, I, yeah, not, not that I, I have it all figured out, but I, I agree with you.
1: No and and I I want to you know touch on you know there are people that are doing absolutely amazing things and changing lives and really living yes in the business wor- world in the the political realm in the you know and and uh you know nonprofits etc and, and I completely you know I think that that is really living but I also feel that some people you know have a different calling or a different place and then you know, I, I think that there's there's to some degree a, a little bit of everybody that needs that wild places and and, and nature and, and, and things like that. And um yeah, I, I don't I don't like people that are you know make it almost like a religion. Like if you are if you're if you work in a cube, you know, you are wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I definitely don't agree with that. Um and some people are, you know, have excellent lives with, you know, weakened warriors, etc. But uh anyways, that, that's where I lie on, on the subject.
0: (laughs) No, that seems reasonable to me. I agree. It's just, you know, being, being true to yourself, knowing what you want and having the guts to, to pursue it. Um, and I think you're a perfect example of that. And I think a lot of the people I talk to, you know, they're not professional athletes, but some of these folks that are, you know, working in the land conservation world, they could be out, they could be, you know, an attorney at some big firm making a million bucks a year, but, They're passionate about, um, about land conservation and that's what they were put on this earth to do. And they're pursuing it as hard as they can. And, you know, it's, it's the same thing you're doing, you're doing in athletics. And that's, that's the whole point of this podcast is talking to people like you who are, who are passionate about what they do. Um, I love it. I think it's, it's inspiring to me. Um, one more kind of quick question for you what is the craziest thing that has ever happened to you in the outdoors? I bet you've had a lot of crazy things happen, but is there, is there one particular thing that stands out in your mind?
1: Oh, wow. The craziest thing. It can be funny,
0: scary. I mean, your Iraq thing, that could just be it. Just five months in Iraq. (laughs) But is there any, any like a bear ever chase you or anything? Somebody told a story about a bear chasing them one time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think, um, you know, for me, uh, some of the craziest things that have happened um, uh, have been have been things of, of just like overcoming um, and and seeing seeing that happen. Um, you know, I, I remember one of the quick stories. I one of my inspirations to um, continue in the hundred miles after dropping that first run, Rabbit Run, was uh, a friend of mine named Bassett. Um, and he, uh, he lives in Telluride or whatever. It doesn't matter, but he, he basically got diagnosed with some kind of health issue right before the hundred mile and he had to take blood thinners. Um, he, he also is, was not in shape like he is now. Mm-hmm. And he, he basically started this hundred mile race and that I started as well. And, and, uh, you know, ended up dropping because I was, you know, pouting, um, <laughs> This guy this guy walked pretty much walked the entire 100 miles. And you know after I had dropped out, you know, you know in, in the top 10, you know, after being in second place and probably would have won if I didn't make the wrong turn, etc., you know, over at halfway done. Yeah. I went home, pouted, went to sleep, got up, was drinking some beers and uh, in that next afternoon that guy Bossett, was walking and he was walking around and he finished that race in, you know, like fifty some hours. They extended the, the cutoffs. Or That's awesome. Like that. And that, you know, uh, you know, even even to think about it now, you know, those, it, it it makes me emotional. Mm-hmm. And it's like this guy is just doing something that is absolutely amazing and crazy. Um, and and those kind of, just 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 pushing the body that way and and, and doing something like that. That that just that just that just blows me away, you know. The, the most of these people are you know running or moving, you know, two three times as long as I am, um, you know, through, through through a race. And you know the same. You know, I, I went over to Reunion Island and east of Madagascar and saw a race, a hundred miler, where they had a division where they carried people with disabilities. Wow. It wasn't the whole hundred miles, but it was it was a big chunk of it. And it, this is one of the most difficult races, right up there with Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. And you know they start early, um, and then the rest of the two thousand people in this race follow behind. They have you know, there's a over thirty thousand people at the start. Um, it's a Creole African French community. Wow, uh, the energy there. But anyways, my point is that these guys are carrying these people on these kind of almost like. Uh, um, like, a a cot on their shoulders with four or five guys or gals and, and carrying one dude on there. And man, when I see that, uh, you know, it makes me cry. Sure. And, uh, you know, to see people doing that for that individual and, and, and you know, the, 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 joy that that person is, is, uh, you know, experiencing being able to, to be out in a place like that and have, you know, the people that love him or her carry them through someplace like that. That is, those are the most, uh, some of the most powerful ones that come to mind right, right away from me at least.
0: Yeah, that's a great one that, that I've never heard of that race, uh, where they do that. That's really, I'm going to look that up. That's, that sounds really interesting. Um, yeah,
1: it's Diagonal Defoe Grand Raid.
0: Okay. Um, it's, I'll put a link
1: to it. Like, yeah, you should check that out. That's, that's something special.
0: So next to the last question, if you could make a request of the people who are listening to this podcast, and again, it basically people who are, have a love for the American West, even if they don't live here, just people that, that, um, you know, love the lifestyle, love the landscapes. Um, is there any, anything you'd like to ask of people listening?
1: I, you know, I I would, I would request that, uh, you know, giving back, making sure that, you know, you're not always just taking, you're not always just enjoying <clears throat> those, 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 uh, benefits of, of, you know, wild places. Um, you know, I, you know, it's tough in, in, as being a professional athlete. Um, you know, I, I don't have a lot of money to do, to donate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but you know, time is there and, you know, going out and doing some trail maintenance, um, supporting the cause, you know, signing some petitions and finding ways. Or even just making sure that, uh, maybe you're an enabler to, to other people to be able to go out and do, um, experience, uh, something, some, a wild place. I, I think that, you know, whether it's your kids or, or maybe, uh, you know, underprivileged, uh, you know, low income kind of people, there's programs all over the place and, uh, making sure that we don't just get so caught up in, and making money, um, Being the weekend warrior and doing amazing things, you know, and and experiencing amazing things, but make sure to to give back. And then the last part too is is to support brands that um, make that part of their corporate culture Mm -hmm. um, that just not take take take. Um, And then the the last part too is uh, athletes. You know, there there are athletes that do a better job at that. And you know, I, I honestly, Patagonia athletes are absolutely amazing at doing that um, you know, it's, it's a requirement for, for being an ambassador for those guys. And, um, but yeah, there are, there are a lot of athletes out there that do stuff like that and somehow supporting them as far as, you know, followership or saying good things. You know, I think that that's, uh, important to encourage those, uh, those superheroes.
0: Those are all great. So how can people connect with you online? Um, I know you've got a website and you're You've got some really awesome uh, social media with Instagram. How, what's the best way for people to find you?
1: Instagram's my favorite. Um, you know the the cat videos and stuff about Donald Trump on Facebook and just just overwhelming for me. It is man, it's um, brain pollution. Yeah, so I try to I try to stay off of there. And Instagram's a little bit um, it, it, for me at least. It's a little bit less like that. So I try to share my experiences and 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 my heart. Uh, from time to time on, on there. And that, that's, that's where I would, I love to connect with people. And, and if somebody wanted to do it with me, that's, that's, that's my favorite.
0: Great. Well, I'll have links to all that. Well, I really, really appreciate all your time. This was, this was an awesome conversation and I'll, I'll hopefully see it at a, a race at some point in the future.
1: I hope so. I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you,
0: man. I, thank you. Yeah, man. twitter instagram blah 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 so feel free to reach out i'd love to have some recommendations and suggestions of interesting people i should meet all right that's it thanks for listening talk to you soon